Welcome everyone to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. I'm Tim Grady. I am here with the host of the show, Lou Weiss, who's also president of All Metals and Forge Group. He's the sponsor for Manufacturing Talk Radio. His company manufactures open die forgings and seamless roll rings for industrial applications and machinery building. If you're looking for those, check them out at steelforge.com. Joining us is John McElhenney. John is the uh, Corporate Vice President of Strategy for Onshape with PTC. Onshape was acquired by PTC. And John, you're doing some a very interesting software work, a platform that uh, we're going to be interested in chatting with you about so that our audience understands what Onshape does. Great. Well, thank you for, uh, for having me. We're glad you're here. And would you give us a little background on Onshape. I know it started in 2012. Where has it gone from there, John? Yeah, well, great. You know, my background, just to, to take a step back, my background, I've been in the design and manufacturing industry now for over 40 years. And, and I've seen many sort of shifts along the way in terms of primarily driven by kind of platform shifts, whether it was from mainframes to PCs, to uh, you know, a client server, Unix, boxes, the PCs, all these computing technologies that basically kind of intersected with design and manufacturing. And so I've seen the transformation from designers using drawing boards through to you know, mainframe CAD systems to you know, uh, PC-based CAD systems to solid modeling systems, which allow you to kind of digitally um, go through and do your design and, and figure out where things interfere and figure out where mistakes are on the screen before you actually start cutting chips and through to ultimately uh, the creation of, of, of a cloud-based and mobile-based solution uh, that we started called Onshape. And I think to, to understand what Onshape is, you have to understand why we started the company. So previously I was with a company called SolidWorks. I was the CEO there for about seven years and I was there from when we had built the product to kind of selling the first seat of, of, of SolidWorks to, to, you know, literally it has millions of people using it around the globe today. Um, and, and so I had a long um, affiliation with many of the customers. And what I would keep hearing from people was that as they were using these systems, the, the, the kind of the overhead, the care and feeding of these systems became so significant. The heat loss due to friction, just trying to use a system, but to try and manage it, just was becoming more and more a burdensome. And, and some of the fundamental problems of figuring out, do I have the latest version of something? You know, is this the latest design? That problem still hadn't been solved. And so when my, my co-founder and the founder of, of SolidWorks and, and good uh, business partner friend, John Herstick, he and I were talking and, and we brought together a lot of the early SolidWorks people. We sort of said, you know, the cloud, and, and mobile devices really have changed how people work. And yet the engineering and design world and manufacturing world hadn't really kept pace. And by embracing a new platform, we had the opportunity to go and really transform how people were working. So rather than sending files all, all over the world and making sure that everybody was in sync and did they have the right file, we could in fact actually have one CAD system, the data in the cloud and share links. So you're always accessing that one simple single version of truth. And that changed how people work, how they interact with the system and the care and feeding of these systems. And so since then, since we introduced the product in about 2016, because it took us a while to build it, you know, it's just been growing like gangbusters. And of course, when COVID 
rapid hit, it just what, what initially was a headwind turned into a significant tailwind because we allowed people to work remotely because the system was designed to do that. And so, so we've seen huge growth from you know tens of thousands of users to millions of users. Well, that's, uh, that, that's not too dissimilar than what we have done at All Metals and Forge Group. Uh, in 2004, we created a program called the Opportunity Board. And uh, somebody told us at the beginning, oh, how much is that going to cost? And it's, well, maybe about $25,000. So here it is now, 17 years later, we're up well into the six figures. And it works to the degree that our whole company is functioning off of it. All of our employees are operating on it. And what we didn't know when we started building it was that at some point in time, we might have to be using this remotely. Never thought of it. It never came up until two years ago. But all the pieces were there and ready to go. And it was March 25th, 2020. I said, okay, we're, we're closed. We're operating remotely. And the next day, everybody was up and running. Fantastic. So, yeah, it, but we didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> well, that's an entrepreneurial journey, right? I mean, part of, part of you know, anybody that comes out and says they have a master plan and they're going to go build it and they're telling you what it's going to look like five years from now. Yes, of course, you have to have a compass heading, but you need to be agile. I mean, I think that's one of the key things that, that uh, that's been my sort of things I've learned over the years as an entrepreneur is that the world changes very, very rapidly. And, and being able to respond to those changes and adjust and get feedback, you know, we're not all smart enough to know, you know, we're not big oracles that can say, this is how it should be. You know, you've got to kind of get something out there, get feedback, iterate on it. And then, and that allows you to sort of basically make sure that you're building a solution that in fact, the market wants. And, you know, COVID was a huge test for the world, right? How are people going to adapt and modify their processes? You know, for us, it just so turns out that we were kind of at the right place at the right time in terms of, of a solution that allowed people to do that. And, um, and so, you know, I, I can't imagine as people start to come back to the workplace that they're going to want to go back to older systems. It just, you know, it just, it would boggle my mind if they do that. And I don't think they will. <laughs> I'm not so sure what great percentage is going to be of people coming back to work. Well, you know, interesting you say that. Uh, we, we officially come back and, and uh, people will be entering the office uh, in the beginning of the next month. And, um, but some people are, are visiting and are in town right now. And I came in yesterday and I would, I would come into the office once, once a week in the past month or two, uh, but I'd be working remotely. And I've been in the office a couple of days this week. And I have to tell you, it's just fantastic. You know, I think the, the, the future model here is not all remote. And it's not all in the office. I think it's going to, you know, depending upon your business, of course, if you're having capital intensive business and you need to be there working with the machinery or the systems, of course, you need to be there. But for, for people that are involved in the process that allows a hybrid approach, I think you're going to see that because I think the human interaction, just the, you know, the water cooler conversations, the, the, the random interactions, um, you know, that's important, not only for the, 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 the things that get created uh, with those interactions, but but the camaraderie and the the trust that gets built up of communication with people, 
And the culture, the culture of a company is really critical with the, you know, kind of looking people in the eyes and being able to talk. So, and enjoying the people you work with. So I think, I think there's going to be a hybrid, hybrid approach to it. I, I don't think it's going to be all or nothing. And, um, and I, for one, certainly that's how I'm going to be approaching it. I agree with you. And uh, the, the, the corporate culture thing is really important. It's a people culture thing. Uh, March 25th, 2020, everyone started working from home. Uh, I have had one day out of the office. I've been coming to the office uh, for these last two and a half years. I have my uh, uh, producer, uh, Linda Hoppler, and uh, one of our accounting uh, executives, and that's it. And mm. uh, you know, we got thousands of square feet of office space, and one is a thousand feet over there, another's a thousand feet over there, and we get to see each other. You know, in the morning we say good morning, and at night we say good night. But uh, it, I think it's important, uh, and I'm very seriously looking at having some kind of a uh, blend, as you pointed out of people coming in, working from home, coming in, and so on and so forth. I think I mean, it's, it's, the it's the most fascinating thing. Yesterday, I had lunch with an employee. He's from the UK. We hired him two years ago. He had not visited our office, and I had never met him face-to-face. -face. I finally met him yesterday. And, it's just, and, and you know, we've worked on several deals together with some very large customers, and, and, and he's done tremendous work for us, but it's, it's literally been all remote. And he, he, he's just clamoring for kind of the interaction. So anyway, I'm hopeful that, uh, that uh, we will not see a resurgence of what we've seen in the past. Who knows? But it only underscores the point about being agile and being able to adapt to, to whatever might be thrown at us in, in, the coming, in the coming months. Well, fortunately or unfortunately, I don't bet on anything anymore because they're talking about a new, new surge coming and China and, and you know the Ukraine. I mean, you know, I'm I'm based in Boston, and when Tom Brady retired, my wife said he's never going to stay retired. I'm like, absolutely, he's done. And you know, 40 days later, whatever he's back. So I, I agree with you. I don't bet on anything. I'm not uh, betting. So your your wife is smarter than you are. Well, that that that's for sure. That goes without saying. <laughs> <laughs> happy wife, happy life. Right. <laughs> So John, what does Onshape do for and with its clients? You know, great question. So if you think about, you know, the world, we're talking about manufacturing, the world of the, of the products we use in our daily lives, whether it was the coffee maker that you, you know, that made your coffee this morning or the faucet that you turned on or the, you know, the, the, the car that you got into, that you turned the switch, all these products, of course, are designed and manufactured. And all the components to go that, that make that happen. Uh, you know, the, the way in which that was done in the past is it was done, you know, on drawing boards, right? Lines and arcs and front view, side views, and isometric views, and people manufactured off that. You know, planes flew because of, of engineering drawings that were made. But clearly, there's better there's there's been better ways with technology to allow you to be able to do better design. And so the world is in, in the, the world I've spent my career in. So my little small world of computer design has really been about. How do you go and take and, and improve that product development process? And so the ways in which that's happened is some technology, where it went from wireframe design, you know, kind of 3D wireframe to surface modeling and solid modeling. And that allowed you 
to put things together and literally make mistakes on the screen before it becomes too expensive when you're manufacturing, make, make cutting, cutting metal. So the idea of solid modeling and, and, and service modeling and, and tools to allow people to work together to kind of figure out how that stuff fits together. That is principally what we help designers do. The challenge, of course, is how things have been designed and built has changed. It used to be when I started my career at Raytheon, a defense uh, equipment manufacturer, you know, the designers worked in one area, the manufacturing guys worked in the other area, and you'd walk down to the shop floor and answer questions and resolve issues, et cetera. Now you can be designing one place, part of the components. Other people can be designing subcomponents halfway across the world, and then you might be manufacturing in the third place. And so communication starts becoming a more and more important part of the design and manufacturing process. And so up until really the advent of Onshape, the way in which people communicated is they sent files around, much like you and I might send a Microsoft Word file around or a PowerPoint file around. And if anybody, your listeners included, have ever created a presentation, if you do it by yourself, these tools work very fine. But all of a sudden, if you're working on a presentation, and let's say you're going to, you and I were going to work on a presentation and we we're going to present it to Lou on Monday, you know, I might be saying to you, you know, Tim, hey, take a look at this, uh, take a look at the changes I made to the document and uh, or to the PowerPoint. And then you, you know, sort of look at it Sunday after a football game and you make some modifications to say, wait, wait a minute, I made changes, but you made changes. And so I'd say, well, what changes did you make? Because I have the master and I got to go back in and make the modifications. And then we come up with naming schemes, right? Think about it. How many times have you created a presentation or a document and we call it latest, latest as of Sunday, 7.59 PM or final, 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 really the final version, right? Ever happened to you? You're laughing because no. of course it's happened to you. Everybody has that problem. And so to use a simple analogy, you know, since I love football, we could talk about, let's say it was a Super Bowl party. And you're inviting Lou over, and, and I'm going to host it. I'm going to invite Lou. I'm going to invite you, Tim. You're going to come over. Now, I could call you up and say, hey, what are you going to bring? And Lou says, I'm going to bring the, 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 the you know, pretzels and the, and the beer. And you say, well, I'm going to bring chicken wings or whatever else. No problem if it's three of us. But if there's 10, 15 people coming, I got to call each person and ask them and write down a list. Or I can send out an Excel spreadsheet. But the problem is if you make a modification and Lou makes his own spreadsheet, and you can send them back, and I can reconcile it and put together one sheet. Or I can send out a Google Sheet, which is a link. You click on it and you put in, I'm going to bring the wings and Lewis says, I'm going to bring the potatoes. And I can see real time that you've made these changes. Totally changes how we communicate and collaborate. So we took that same idea and said, that's how we can change the product design process. So rather than sending files all across the world, and by the way, these systems are not like a Word file. They're very temperamental with a lot of links and, and they, they can break very easily. So with Onshape, you literally invite people. You can share a link. I can share a link with you, Tim, and with you, Lou. And because I'm sharing that link and I own the document, for example, I can give permissions. You know, Lou, you know, we, we like his advice. We like his perspective, but we don't want him touching the system because he's going to make some mistakes. But Tim, you can make changes. So I can give you permissions. I can share it with you. And there's only one master. So I never have to worry about, did Lou make changes that I didn't see or, you know, so... All these things really change and transform how people work. On top of that, it changes because we can work on commodity type of hardware. I can run on a laptop. I can run on a MacBook. I can work on my cell phone. I can go ahead and use it around anywhere. I gave an example recently to a customer. I said, imagine that your son is playing soccer and you're going to, it's our daughter, and you're going to the soccer game 
and let's say it's an hour away. You're in Texas. Everything's an hour away. You go to, you know, you go to the son and daughter soccer game and your brother-in-law lives another 20 minutes away. You say, you know what? We're going to stop by their house. And you stop by their house. And let's say now your team, your, your team back at work was working on a critical project that's due on Monday. And they want you to look at it and say, you know what? We had to make a change. The dimension has to, you know, has to be an eighth of an inch shorter. And you're like, well, which one? You're like, well, can you go look at it in your office? Well, your office is an hour and 20 minutes back. Well, with current systems, you'd have to drive back to the office, open up that desktop workstation, look at the dimension and say, oh yeah, that's okay. And by the way, you would only do that after you've finished visiting your brother and how many hours have passed by, if not a day or two. Or you could say, you know, it's not worth going back. I'll go in on Monday. Well, meanwhile, your project's been delayed. Well, what about if you can look on your cell phone and literally they share the link, you click on it, you zoom in, much like Gmail. And imagine you, you, you can take your, your brother's laptop and you sort of log in through an incognito window and you go and change it and look at it and modify it, make changes, and it's done. Versus having to go to a specialized computer that's located specific. So, you know, that's, that's like kind of, you know, the, the, the early 2000s called, they want the computers back. This is kind of how the, the modern world works. And by the way, in our industry, design and manufacturing, as you know, there's a huge transformation in terms of the demographics. There's many people that have so much skilled knowledge of knowing, you know, when I'm, when I'm cutting chips, I know what color the metal needs to be if I'm going too fast or too slow. You know, I need more coolant. I need to, whatever my, the feeds and speeds need to change. There's so much institutional knowledge that's going to be lost as people retire. That being said, there's also a generation that's coming in and say, they're saying to themselves, wait a minute, you're telling me I got to use this system, but I got to install the software myself. I got to maintain it myself. And when there's patches and updates and security updates, I, you know, I don't know what I'm, it's kind of a pain in the butt to go and do that. And I'll give you one last example of why this matters. My daughter is working on a final project, this capstone project. Now her capstone project I love because it involves food. She, she, she's a baker and she loves baking things. So she decided to understand leavening agents, you know, the difference between baking powder and baking soda and blah, 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 including air. She said, you know, there's a leavening agent called air. So she decided to make souffles and she was documenting how to make the perfect souffle and blah, blah. She's, she's in eighth grade. Very interesting project. And she was documenting it by video and she was giving instructions, blah, blah, blah. She went and she was editing using install based software on a, on a Mac. And guess what happened? She got all the raw footage. She had the project 80% complete in terms of the edits. And all of a sudden the system crashed. She lost all those edits. Mm -hmm. And she's in the final week right now. And she's going back and trying to recreate. Not She has the raw footage, so that's the good news. But you know, she's spent 16 hours now trying to make edits. I'm like, her world, the demographics of the future hires can't even conceive of the idea of a save icon. They don't understand that. They don't understand it. Their world is like Google Docs. I'm finished with it and close my laptop. It's already being saved. That's how they think. That's their world. They don't think about installing software. And so that's the next generation that's coming. And, and, and tools like Onshape are, are the ones that are going to feel very natural to them. In the pandemic, students were locked out from being on campus. It was remote. They couldn't go to the CAD lab with expensive graphics cards and workstations to go and use the CAD system. With Onshape, they could log in through a browser, there's no software installed, just like Gmail, and they get access to work on it. That's the world in which they're gonna be working. That's the demographic. 
the average person who's used Google Docs now is in their late 20s, going to 30s. They're becoming the management that's going to look at this thing and say, all this installed stuff, get rid of it. It's crazy. It costs too much money, too much expense. The, the, the heat loss due to friction is too great. So that's why we created what we're doing. And that's why millions of people have kind of jumped on board and transforming how they're working. Well, it's fun to hear all that because Lou and I working together since 2004 built a lot of that functionality into what he knows as the op board. He's accessed it from Brazil. He's been into it from China. He can go in on an iPhone. I go in on an Android. He uses an iPad. I use a tablet. Yeah, it's a, it's a, I under, we understand exactly what you're doing. It's a brilliant uh, piece of work. Well, I would say that I don't know what I'm talking about, but I always <laughs> come up with, because I'm not a techie person, but I am an, an idea person, bubble ideas and so on. And I would say, can we do this? And our techie people would say, well, yeah. And I would say, well, if you could do this, can you do that? Right. Well, yeah. Well, if it could do this, that, can it do the other? And this right. thing just has gotten bigger. It's like the biggest mushroom you've ever seen and uh it's it's really worked well for our company and it's done you know amazing things for us to be uh structured and uh uh well well organized uh, well and most and most importantly it sounds like the feedback that you got with your ideas is you've iterated with your customers and they've gotten huge benefit right i mean accessibility is one thing the data being there i mean it, it allows them to be more efficient and here's the thing Making companies more efficient is not just about making more money for your own company. It allows you to free up resources that you can invest back into the business, invest back into the product to help make it better for customers. And if you, if you, if you focus on that, you know, that's a dividend that keeps paying. So, so it's really you know, listening to, to customers and iterating and investing back in and building a platform that, that allows you to kind of do this, that, and the other, you know, then allows you to you create still progress. If you steal that line from me, it's trademark. <laughs> this, that, and the other. Right. That's mine. It's it's the other that's the important one. Tim <laughs> <laughs> and I started about uh, well, I've had it in my in my business. I've had a newsletters going back to the 1980s. Uh, it kind of evolved two years ago into a digital easy, and uh, as of actually today. We're proofreading the new issue, which is now a 60-page uh, e-zine all about manufacturing. And uh, the problem with it is, as you laid out, well, we have to proof this and proof that. I got to send it to this one. That one's got to send it to me. And we're just wheeling around. I, mean, I was sitting at lunch today, lunch time today with a, a martini and 60 pages that I had approved <laughs> changes and Tim was doing it and uh, another person was doing it. And then we send all three of these files to the person who puts it all together. So, you know, we're talking about the exact same thing that you were before. Right. You know, when you start labeling things as latest, 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 officially the final, 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 you know, when, when, when I see people laughing like that, it's like, I can stop talking because they get it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you know what the problem with the final final is that we I find now that when we do the final final, we now have to not only put in 
the date, the month, but we have to put in the time. And you brought that up before. Exactly. But you know what's interesting is when you when you when you when you start talking about final, 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 um, you, you look at you look at an example about being agile, you know, Tesla, which is, is famous for, for being agile, not just in software development, but in development itself. You know, they had a supply chain shortage just like everybody, everybody else in terms of chip shortage. What did they do? They actually used the chips they had on hand and they changed the configuration of that chip. They changed the firmware to be able to take advantage of those chips to use in their, in their cars. You know, that's the ultimate in being agile. So when you try to lock everything down and you, and, and you, you know, it's like being a straitjacket, you, 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 you lose a strategic advantage of being agile. And so, so tools that facilitate being able to, to, to make changes and, and keep control, version control in a, in a fluid way, that's a very powerful, powerful process uh, optimization. So John, is your, is your, excuse me, though, John, is your software on the design and engineering phase of a project? Or is it on the production floor or is it an umbrella over all of it? Yes. And let me explain. Yeah, the short answer, the short answer is yes. And the reason I say that is historically that what the way in which companies organize themselves is they would use a CAD system to define the digital definition of a product. And then to make sure that, you know, that you and Lou didn't step on my toes when I'm designing, we would put this overlay of something called product data management. And product data management, the metaphor I would use is like sort of like a bank vault. I go to the teller and I say, check this in, I'm done. And now anybody can check it back out. But when I check it out of the bank, I get my, my money out of the bank or I get the design of the bank, you guys can't make any edits because that, that prohibits you from stepping on my toes. So it was a very, it was the only way as an industry, we allowed people to, man, to manage the design process. Once that's designed, then it connects to PLM systems, which then deal with a lot of metadata and process data. And then that would also interface with you know, ERP systems and, and through on down the, the process. Similarly, Onshape, so the, the metaphor was sort of the, the core platform and then these PDM systems. What we did with Onshape, like most good innovations, we kind of inverted it, thought about it differently. We kind of built this core, I'll call it collaboration and sharing engine. And metaphorically, we wrapped the CAD system around it. Now, that being said, people have installed operational systems. And so with this core CAD system, we can, of course, connect to the to the ERP systems and we can connect to any of the infrastructure systems, but we don't connect by taking a copy of the data. We connect by a, by a permanent URL and it can refer back to the on-shape data. And they can of course take out kind of boundary representations of, of, the, of the geometry. So the short answer is we, we fit in in the design and engineering space. That's typically where we work, but we have applications that also work in manufacturing, analysis and outside of just the design side of things. And can, we connect into the appropriate infrastructure systems that people already have in place that they're not going to go and rip and replace, you know, tomorrow. I have a question. Sure. What you just went through for the last five, eight minutes, to me, a non-techie is a very complex view of your world. How do you sell that to the CEO or techie person manager of another company who's not up to speed on all of what you just said. How do you well, sell the concept? Good, 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 good question. <laughs> um, 
first thing I think you, you and I both know in sales that often uh, people need to understand a concept and then in their own mind, they project what that means to their own problems. <laughs> mm-hmm. So people see it, which is why any demonstration usually is not, should not be about education or training per se. It should be allowing people to dream and understand the concept and, and executives and people are very good at taking that and then applying it and saying, oh, it could help us solve this problem. So that's the emotional hook that every executive wants to try and understand. So part of what we, we talk about is trying to simplify it. So when I can communicate to people and say, have you ever presented to your board and worked on a, on a and you're dealing with your CFO and you're putting together a presentation and, it, and you're labeling the PowerPoint as latest, 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 and they laugh, <laughs> they get the version control problem. They also know, because inevitably every company that makes products have built products to the wrong version. They made it out, out of the, the, the 1.1 version versus the 1.12, which might've had a dimensional change or a, a, a material change. So when you talk about that and they understand the cost and the liabilities of, of associated with it. So when you talk about those things, we say, we can help you with that problem. And then we don't necessarily get deep into the technology. We try to keep it at a level where they can see it and understand, oh, okay, today, if I wanna get these three people working together, I have to send this thing around to everybody. Versus I can pull up my phone, somebody else brings up their, their MacBook, somebody else brings up their Windows doc, uh, machine, and we can all work on the same document together. They get it. Okay, people working together versus people serially. So those concepts, now, typically, then they'll look to their head of engineering or their process people and say, what does this mean for us? I, I, I get what they can do. How would we use this? And how do, how do we, we, we transform to that? And that's the biggest challenge for us, of course, is getting people to say, okay, how do I get from my, my current state to where I want to be? How, how do I manage that? That's usually... That's the high jump for us to get people to sort of say, we can help you. We literally have, you know, 10,000 people, companies that have done that. And here, here's how it works. But, you know, usually to, in, like any, in any sale, you know, people have to get the emotional kind of belief and understanding what it can mean. And then everything else is the rationalization and the due diligence to make sure that what they're seeing is not really magic, but that it's, you know, sound engineering that's made this possible. And the good news is, in the schools, we now have you know, millions of students. So anybody, any executive that has a kid that's in doing any STEM work right now, they're all using Anjit. Like it's just been a, you know, with COVID, it's just been a landslide of people moving over to this. So they're hearing it, they're seeing it. And so much like in our early days of SolidWorks, when we, made, when we capitalized on the Windows PC platform shift, you know, it took a while to get the snowball running. But once it started happening, people started hearing about it, seeing it, and they got, okay, you know, this thing can make my life better and easier. And that's what we're trying to do here is we're making their life better and easier. And more I think, Tim, I think we need to have John help us with manufacturing Outlook easy. Yeah, <laughs> it would be nice. Because it's a zoo every month. This is a yeah. month. It's a month. But you got, yeah, a but you know what? You've been in business for 18 years. Anytime anybody's in business for 18 years, to me, they have a model that works. <laughs> Can it be optimized? Perhaps, but hold it, hold it, hold it. I gotta correct that. 18 years? No, I'm in business uh, 57 years. I was being kind to you. Oh, <laughs> okay. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> no, I was referring to your 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 software product, but yeah, I mean, anytime oh, you have a business that that has that kind of longevity, 
it means you're adding value to your customers. In the end, if you don't look, the only way to extract value from a customer is you got to create the value first. And if you're creating value for them, customers will pay you. It's very clear. And people often lose sight of that. In the end, you know, people may be impressed with the software product. They may like it, but if you're not creating value for them, they're not going to pay for you, pay for your service long-term. Man is right. Yeah, very true. Very true. Well, John, we have mentioned Manufacturing Outlook, the digital magazine that we produce. And I just want to throw this out to you. And that is as a follow-up to this interview, or maybe uh, published the same time this interview airs, if you would consider submitting an article to us, kind of the uh, beyond shape world, what we do and how our clients benefit, we'd, we'd love to run it. If you have got somebody who can put it together and crank it out, maybe you're maybe your eighth grader. <laughs> she'll, she'll sort of say my baking experience and why my dad's software should be used <laughs> it would be it would be my distinct honor and privilege so i will work on that and i will get it to you guys shortly that'd be great share your url Super. Is your website so people can find you I, I i missed that i'm sorry Share your website address with us. Sure, sure. They can go to onshape.com, O-N-S-H-A-P-E.com, www, of course, World Wide Web, but yeah, onshape.com. This has been terrific. And, and I visited onshape.com before we started the interview and I've got to do a deeper dive on it. Uh, and maybe it works uh, for manufacturing outlook. We'll have to investigate it. <laughs> Well, thanks so much for having me. It's uh, it's been a lot of fun, and I, uh, I I need I need to do more work for you guys so I can own one of those yellow jackets one of these days. Well, we do we do have a scoring system which we won't <laughs> share on the air, but I will tell you in seven hundred shows, we've only given out so far one. Wow! But the door is still open. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I got to figure out, it's sort of like the Google algorithm. It's, it's, it's confidential, but I got to figure out the algorithm to increase the, the rankings. But thank you so much for having me. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you for joining us. Jim, take care. Here. And uh, folks, while you're surfing the web, please stop by onshape.com. And you can also stop by jacketmediaco.com to find this show and the others for Manufacturing Talk Radio, the WAM podcast, Hazard Girls. Manufacturing Matters with Cliff Waldman. We've got a growing uh, body of shows there. So we appreciate all of you who listen to every episode of oh, Talk Radio. Lou? Didn't mean to interrupt, but I wanted to point out that we do have a new show called Mosier on Manufacturing. And that's Harry Mosier, who is the master of reshoring. He's probably uh, single-handedly brought back a million jobs out of the five million that we lost. And uh, he's been uh, indoctrinated into this organization, that organization. He's a very bright guy. He knows everything there is about offshoring, onshoring, manufacturing, and so on. We had our, our first, first show today. We're gonna be airing it in another week or so. So make sure you look for Harry Mosier, Mosier on Manufacturing. And uh, that's the end of my commercial. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks for listening to this episode. We'll see you again soon. Thank you.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.